Hello again, everybody. Welcome. This is Julie Knudsen with the podcast Turning the Pointing Labrador, episode number 137. I'm doing pretty good getting one a week here, so trying to stay on track with that. I want to take care of just a little bit of business first before we get to talking about G and then the topic of the day. But I've had, there was some, uh, I've been getting some messages and, and emails and stuff with people telling me that the book that goes with this podcast, uh, Training the Pointing Labrador, is not available on Amazon and, and, uh, <laughs> and I keep telling them, yeah, yeah, sure it is. Yeah. And I just keep getting these things. So finally I went, well, why don't you just go on to Amazon and check? So I did, I click, I go on to Amazon and type in the book so that, and what comes up is a supplier uh, out of Dallas that's selling the book for $59, which is not what I sell it for. And they were the only one. You had to go down to uh, other other uh, buyers and click on that. And then I come up with the, the book that's uh, substantially less expensive than that. So uh, I've contacted these guys. They, ha- they even say on there, you know, there's only one left, hurry. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but so I want to tell anyone, it, you know, if you guys, anyone that's listening to this already has one, never mind. But if you, if... I just need people to know if they are buying the book, Amazon is the right is the only place you can get it. It's the only place that I have made it available, and it uh, it's from Knutson Enterprises. That's our like our business name for selling the book. Uh, it's on that, and it's not. I think it's uh, I think it's with forty seven, and then you get the shipping, whatever it is. And shipping now literally costs more than is charged on there. But I'm just going to leave it the way it is. So just so people know, um, it's just Knutes and Enterprises. No one else is allowed to sell this thing now. And so I'm, I'm sorry about the confusion. And I'm sure sorry for people that paid $59 for it. And then I see some used ones on there that for way more than that. Um, well, I wouldn't do that if I was anybody. Um, so Knutes and Enterprises is the one I'm, try- I'm in, in conversation with those people right now trying to get them to take it down. If they truly are out of books, then they'll have to. But anyway, so that's the story on the book. And I apologize for people being gouged and kind of misled on that. I certainly never intended that. So on to G. So the G update, she's, uh, you know, we're getting, we're working up to four months. So she's becoming, getting to be a big, bigger girl. She's the sturdy girl. If you see any of the videos on Facebook, um, that she's going to be a, she's going to be a strong little thing. And again, anybody that wants to see the videos on Facebook, you have to friend someone that's in a group, in that closed group that has all of that. The group is closed to keep people that think uh, dog training is a terrible mean thing out. And so if you want to friend me, and I'm still getting a lot of that, just give me the message like a bunch of you have. Hey, I just want to get into the group so that I know who you are. And then I'm just more than happy to get you onto the group. So just make sure I know. Uh, you know, what you're, what you're about and I am, or anyone else that's in the group, uh, just always make sure that it's somebody that's in there because they want to, you know, watch other people and learn some stuff about dog things. So I posted some videos this morning of G. It is very cold here. Not as cold as you Northerners are getting. That is insanely cold. So I don't live up there. Uh, but we are, it says 12 
but it on the the weather service says it feels like three i'd say that's very true it's really cold and the thing is is we have this biting wind so that's kind of unpleasant so i but i still videoed uh z uh, g this morning when i took her out she still has the long cord on not because i need it because i never pick it up and use it unless we go somewhere where there's a lot of cow pies um because she'll go pick those up and bring them to me so but so i still have that just basically as a reminder to her that we are together and I she needs to remain aware of me because she was getting just completely on her own independent so she's still dragging that for the time being uh, and that's real good she switched over now on the truffle hunting where she would go and eat everything possible it's somehow in her mind because her retrieving has gotten so I'm just so happy with it it's just so good right now she's she switched over to bringing me uh, stuff. Uh, a few couple days ago, she brought me a dead frozen turtle that I think she found in the slough, the warm water slough. When it, warm water is, is a relative term. It's not frozen because it's coming from under the ground. <laughs> but it's, it's still cold. But she brought me a frozen dead turtle out of that. And I thought that was far preferable uh, to her just eating it. And then she brings me now the frozen cow pies you know, which I'm just so thankful, uh, but she's not eating them. So she's bringing them to me. The thing that she's still eating, it's like M&Ms, I think is the deer and rabbit leavings that those things, she's not bringing those, thank goodness to me, but they're like M&Ms. So that's the one thing that she'll still grab on the fly. So our walk thing has become really quite good. You can see in the video, she stays with me. Um, she's still out there looking for stuff. And the way that she is, uh, the way she is with this, everything, she's always intaking information, which I think is a, a very, very positive characteristic. And it shows that in the video too. Uh, there's some parts I didn't, there's a lot of dove around here right now. And when we go by and they're in a tree and they kind of flutter in the branches and then leave, she's just transfixed. And she just freezes at that, which is sometimes associated with the pointing behavior that doesn't mean they're pointing I just like that when I see it in a little dog because I've seen that on a lot of good pointing dogs when you get the upland birds on them so she just freezes transfixed watching that in the in the video some geese are flying over and she stops and looks straight up at them for a second they're way up there because you know they're still being hunted so they're pretty high when they go over but she watches that and then she also interestingly watches uh trucks that go by I mean even far away if she sees a big truck she'll just stop and watch that I have no idea I've tried to explain that we don't hunt vehicles but so far she's still transfixed by those as well so I really like that that she inputs the world around her and and seems to however much a puppy does she seems to uh, kind of think about it mull it over a little bit so I like that a lot she's also getting into the warm water slough not just a full-out dive in and she, since she had her one uh, right into it and got very cold she doesn't just which is a good sign right she doesn't mindlessly do the same thing again but she does like to get in on the edge in the water and you know find frozen turtles and stuff so I'm very I am extremely happy her retrieving uh, which I'd also put on the, the Facebook page, is extremely good out and back. But what I've noticed, and that's going to be the topic of the, the remainder of this episode, what I've noticed is she loves retrieving, right? That's number one priority. Number one is she loves it 
well, and also number one is that she goes out and comes back because <laughs> if she doesn't come back, then it doesn't really matter. So I have now have with my basic obedience, uh, I've gotten the go out and come back thing without messing up her desire to do this. So she's very good at it. And if we have a big old flat field, you can throw that thing a um, hundred yards. Uh, yeah. A hundred yards if it's a, if she can see it when she gets out there and she'll go a long ways and pick that up and come right back. So that's good. But now is the time to begin to develop the rest of the retrieving related stuff. So this, this, the rest of this episode is going to be about, uh, the retrieving and marking and working on that stuff. So this is really for retriever folks, any of the dogs that retrieve. So, you know, I'm going to drop off the, the rabbit hunters and the, all that stuff. Um, this is going to be primarily about the retrieving. But marking, and so in case anybody doesn't know, when you talk about marking, that means the dog, that is the, the ability for the dog to watch something go down, regardless of where it emanates. Watch it go down. Note the area, called area of the fall, where it hit the ground or water, whatever, where it hit that. And then as efficiently as possible and directly, get to the area of the fall, hunt it up right there and bring it back. Okay, that is two things I've said before. It is a talent and it is a skill. So some dogs are amazing in their ability and some dogs are very okay, etc. This is something that can be enhanced and improved. So no matter what kind you have, the training program we have for these guys should be developed with just a continuous, uh, not, not a pressure deal, not at all, not on this stuff, a continuous development of their skill of being able to mark something that went down and go reasonably directly at it. So there are a lot of components to that. And very often, and when we train our retrievers for stuff, we don't, you know, we throw bumpers and, and we do stuff and they're all good at, they're good at retrieving. And it's not until a little bit later or when we start training with other people that all of a sudden, now we're going to get all serious about all this stuff and the setting up marks and, and um, really, like I'm starting right now. I'm starting right now because I know, right? I know this dog is slated to become as good as she possibly can. Uh, I love that. It's such what an opportunity that I've been given. To, here, here's a probably really good dog. See what you can do with her. That's pretty. That's a trainer's dream, right? So I have a lot of responsibility, and I would like for this dog to be very, very good at all levels of this. And it's not like, well, we're only gonna run. APLA stuff, or we're only going to run field trials, or we're only going to run AKC or HRC. That uh, you'll never ever hear me talk about training for any of those things. What I'm going to do, particularly at this age, is develop the skills of this dog as much as I can, and then we go from there. And we can pretty much do, you know, we granted we might change length of marks kind of complication that we put in the marks, but we still need a dog who marks well, retrieves well, and ultimately handles well and does all that. So it's starting now. 
for this little girl. And understand when I say that, you know, I'm not talking about, okay, I'm going to do all kind of pro trainer stuff. I'm not talking about that. Whether she was never going to compete a day in her life, if she was just going to be somebody's occasional hunting dog and mostly family pet, that would not change a single thing I say. Because if you only hunt a couple times a year, I don't care what, whether you're hunting waterfowl down south in Louisiana, you're hunting stuff up in North Dakota, you're hunting, you know, quail in Arizona, it does, whatever you're doing, there are these, the, the fall of birds can be very, very complicated and challenging. You know, a pheasant can go a long ways. A goose can go a long ways, assuming you hit it before it goes down. Right? And then, you know, sometimes when they go down, they don't stay there. But where they go down is what your dog has to operate off of. So things can be long. Things can be with a tremendous amount of difficulty between where the dog is and where the bird is. And to be able to manage that difficulty, okay, that you can have that. You can have a lot of water. You can have a lot of varying terrain. You can have, and this is a big one, where the picture the dog gets when it first sees the bird go down changes dramatically as the dog pursues, goes after that. Suddenly the picture, the view they have of where that dog, where that bird landed becomes completely different. And since usually we're standing up there throwing and our picture never changes or we're handling, right? We just don't see the problem. But if we were out running out there at a height of a couple feet or less, then you would be aware of just how dramatically that, how dramatically everything looks very, very different. If you've ever had to go pick up your blinds later on, that if you didn't have them marked with a big flaming flag, you know, it's like, where was that? <laughs> Because it looks real different when you get out there. So there are a lot of elements to this. So right now with her, let me just tell you some of the things that I'm thinking about. For example, today, before we started our walk, we did some of our retrieves. I did a big long one right in a flat field. She was awesome. So the next one I threw, our pond is completely iced over. Very low. It's not all full and stuff. It winters out and it's iced over. So I threw a bumper so that it went into one of the little fingers of the pond that we have and gets slid over to the edge on the ice. And so she went out there and right next to that one is a is another one, another piece of a pond that's also iced. And she ran over and then thought about going around, you know, which is absolutely natural. No, they don't get in trouble for it. She doesn't even know what go straight is. So she was, she got to the edge of it and was just going to run around. And when she did, then she got this, the side of the other little piece of a pond that looks the same and is iced over. And she thought, ah, that must be it. And so then she goes over to that and then starts hunting the edges of that pond and completely and just hunted and hunted and kept hunting, um, into the wind, um, or not into the wind, but a, a way out of the wind. Cause you have to you don't gather more information hunting into the wind. You gather more information moving with it because now you're, you're covering ground that you didn't smell before. So she starts doing that down the edge of this pond. It's good when you, if you understand how the dogs are using the wind because <laughs> then it keeps you from getting mad sometimes. And then she was just hung up on this other piece of pond. So I had to go over there and walk her down and then finally we got it. And that just, that got me to thinking, okay, she's smart enough now and she's tall enough that she can see better. It's time for me to start designing my throws and the things that I'm doing to begin to teach 
some of the thinking and the skill development that she's going to have to have. So, and this won't go on too long, I promise. But for those of you that are interested in this, I hope you find it helpful. So dogs have a number of, of uh, elements to their perspective when they do retrieves. And we always have our perspective. Now, most of us are five feet or above, right? Um, so we're way up there. And that's a very different view than, what is she? She's probably 10 and 12 inches off the ground or something like that. Okay, that's a very different view. So, the, and there's so much to that thing. Just take, say you had a little bump. Say you had a little, a little hill out there. All right, if you throw the bumper in front of the hill and they see it bounce on the ground, they'll probably, generally, they know, they saw it and they, they go there and they could see it clearly with the backdrop of the raised piece of ground. Now, when you throw that bumper behind the hill, even if it's not very far, right? It's just behind a, and I don't mean big old tall thing, you know, I mean four, five, two, three feet, just something that's high. Generally, so what the dog is going to see, and this is a puppy, right? Or a big dog on a big hill. They see the, the bumper disappear on the top of the hill. That's the last view they have. So many, many times what you'll see, especially with inexperienced dogs, is they will go to where they last saw that bumper. So they'll go maybe in front of the hill, maybe up on the, and I'm not talking big hill, right? Kind of a big bump out there. They might go up on it and then come back down toward you and go up on it. And you're wondering, you know, what's wrong with this dog? But if you realize, just think, that thing disappeared on the top of the hill. That's the last they had. They saw it. So dogs have to learn, they have to be taught about this hill thing, this bump thing, that sometimes, yeah, it lands in front of it, sometimes it lands on the side of it, it could land on the top of it, or it could land behind it. But it was very helpful for you as a trainer to realize what this dog is seeing and that might that will explain some of how where it goes and how it hunts. So if it never gets up past the hill and it hunts short, the answer is not I need to throw longer marks. The answer is what did that dog see? What is the perspective? And then if I'm going to have if raised hills and stuff like that is going to be a part of our retrieving, then I'm going to have to teach this dog if it's old enough to understand that when you go up on the hill and you don't find it, continue further because a lot of times it's behind it. So that goes for a G-level puppy um, and certainly the big dogs. But it's very helpful if you, as the person training this dog, go ahead and use your perspective, but then become aware of what your dog's perspective is. And I'd suggest that to all of you that compete. You know, if you're going to go up and, and watch, uh, you know, run a, a test, I don't care. I don't care what level, the most, highest level or the beginning level. Go up there and watch it from your five or six foot level. Then drop yourself down to your dog's level and see how it changes. It might not or it might change a lot. But that's something when you're setting up retrieves marks for these dogs to do that you want to take into account. What do I need to work on? So the vision is a big deal. When uh, something lands behind cover or lands in cover, they can't. You know, you, again, you're up there close to six feet maybe or more. I'm at like five and a half feet, so pretty good. So when it goes in the middle of some cover, I can see that. 
because I could see that it went down, there was cover in front of it, there was cover behind it. Generally, dogs cannot. They don't know, did it land just inside one inch? Did it land way on the other side? They don't know that stuff. And so where it lands relative to, you know, things that are higher than dirt level is a major factor. Another factor, a real important one, is, of course, the wind. Because dogs use basically two, I think sometimes there's another one, but I'm not going to talk about that so much. Um, but they use two, two senses to, to locate the area of a fall and to locate whatever was thrown. They use their eyes and then they use um, their nose. And when you are teaching a puppy like G, you want to be very careful, in my opinion. I mean, it's not like life or death. It's all, all over if you don't do this, but it just helps a lot as you move along. You want to be aware when you throw something, which one of those things you're having them rely most on. Now, obviously, first off is always vision. They have to see it through the air and see it land or, you know, close roughly where it lands. They have to see that. Now, as they, as you send them and they go out for it, they've got their nose and they've got their eyes. If you're always throwing a nice white puppy bumper or white bumper out in the middle of a big barren field, then they're going to primarily use their eyes because they, you teach them to go look for a big white thing. That's why there's different colors of bumpers for different reasons. If you never do that and you always throw whatever you have into a bunch of heavy cover, then they know you just run out there and start hunting and just start using your nose and run around until you find it. Again, that you don't, you, you don't want to just have them rely solely on just their vision or primarily their nose. What you want to do is make sure that you're aware of the marks that you're setting up and make sure that you have a reasonable balance. Your dog might have a, just an incredible nose. So that's great. Um, so make sure though that you have, then throw something where maybe it's out in the open, but they have to get through two pieces of cover, you know, and over something to get there so that this, so that they still have to, and they're not getting to it. It's not in the obvious places. So they do have to hunt a little bit more and think a little bit more. That's another element to this. So we have eyes and nose. They should use, use whichever one they need. That's what it really should be. If it's in heavy cover or cover and they're not going to be able to see it, then they're going to have to use their nose. But they have to use their eyes, right? <laughs> to, they have to use their eyes to get to the right spot. They have to use their nose. If, if Stick ponds. If we're talking water, Everybody knows if you don't practice training a dog in a stick pond and you go run an event where the duck lands in a stick pond, and that's a pond with lots of, you know, wood and stuff in it, it is really hard. They, they can't use their eyes then because if they use their eyes, they're going to go to every stick there, which happens a lot of times when you haven't taught a dog about. There's other stuff in the water. Find the bird part of it. Again, that's another skill for the advanced guys. So you have to go to what smells like a duck, not what looks like a duck. So that's why the eyes and the nose are something that as trainers, setting this stuff up and doing it every day, we want to at least be aware of instead of just getting mad because it looks like they're not doing very well. 
And anytime there's places I go and I'm going to compete, and I know we got a stick pond we might be in, then I go find somewhere where I can set that situation up so they, they go to what smells like a duck, not what looks like a duck. It's just that simple. Um, the other part of this for little guys, and this is what I need to do with G, and I want to start right now. I got the eyes thing and the nose thing. Her eyes are better than her nose because I have done more of the visual thing. And I've done that because I've been working on the mechanics. Watch, go out, come back. So then I just want the visual because then I know we're going to get to it. So her eyes are better than her. She uses her eyes more than she uses her nose. So that's one of the things I'm going to start doing. And that's why in, on my video, I had some thrown in the cover, some not. So when they go in the cover, she's going to have to use her nose to find them. But her eyes are going to be what gets her to the right area. The third part of that is the thinking part. The thinking part. And this is something that is real easy to just blow by and overlook. But the best markers I have ever seen over all these years are ones who use their eyes, use their nose, knew how to do that. Really, in the beginning, it's all eyes, right? They need to watch where it is. Then when they go out there, it's like the hill thing, throwing something behind a hill. When you teach a dog to think about that, okay, it might be in front, might be on top, it might be behind, then they develop, this way you don't do the same thing all the time. Don't always throw it the same kind of way all the time. Be aware of what you're setting up and be aware of what your dog is learning. So therefore you begin to teach them to think. So when you have some kind of bird, let's say it's out 150 yards and somebody's uh, in front of the hill and they're throwing it on the other side, you know, whether you agree or not that they should be doing it, that somebody does that. It would be very nice to have a dog that knows it's to the right side of the gunner or the gunning station, or it went to the right and they go out there and they just check real quick to make sure it's not in front. They didn't miss it. They go up the hill where it should be. They look around there. They check behind the hill. If they don't find it behind the hill, they come back and double check one more time. In other words, the dog is thinking about the possibilities. So you want to be aware of giving your dog opportunities to be exposed to things, to learn, and to think about them. And Because I was going to say, the best markers I've ever seen, when you're out throwing for them, that's why everybody should be out throwing for other people because that's probably your maximum learning place. When you go out there and see those good ones come out, they are thinking the whole time. They're going, looks like, yeah, I mean, I swear, there's a bubble over their head and they're going, I think it's right over, right, yeah, right here. They are constant. they have, they have a, some kind of awareness about where it is and most of the time they're right. And when you take dogs with that ability to do that, and you enhance that by setting up things where they have to think a little bit, then you're going to make them even better, even, even better. So just kind of mindlessly throwing stuff and setting up stuff is better than not doing it. Absolutely. But if you can do that, um, being aware that every time you throw something, the dog is getting something out of it. Even if you're mindlessly doing it to get them exercise, something I'm kind of opposed to, or just say, say I threw some art through today for the dog, make sure you're not teaching them uh, to not think, hey, it, it's just chucked out there somewhere down the, I'm just going to go run around there and look. There's no place that's good. Certainly not in competition. Absolutely not in hunting. In hunting, you want to disturb as little ground as possible. 
because there could be other stuff out there. There's more hunting going on. You want them to be, as long as safety is involved, is directly go to it because that's how you disturb the least amount of ground or water. Go to the right area, come up with it quickly, and come back. That's what you want in hunting, and certainly that's what we want in competition. So starting right now with G, I have to be very mindful of this. I can't just be out going through the motions because I got to talk about it on a podcast. I've got to sit there and go, okay, what is this little dog telling me? Gosh, all she's doing is using her eyes. I got to start doing a few things that are different so that she can't use her eyes. You know, now she's again, today on the, on the pond thing where she looked at one pond and then looked at another. So she had the pond thing down with her eyes, but she had no experience on how to gauge between similar things. No idea. And again, because I haven't worked on it, but I said, ah, I, gotta, I need to start developing her focus on this, her concentration so that she bears down. Now, this isn't something in two weeks. Now we're going to be able to do it. This is an ongoing, as long as this dog is in training, I am going to do what I can to enhance these things. Um, so in judging stuff, that's why, you know, I'm, I always am. I am very <laughs> opinionated about judging in all of the venues, but judging isn't something where you go, okay, let's put one over there on the left and one over there on the right. And so we'll have our double and then we'll put, let's set the blind right up there. because there's so much more to it. Just like when you're dog training. Now, what's the wind doing? What's the terrain? What's the view behind the mark? What's the, how does the view change on their way to it? What is it really going to take for them to do that mark? Well, there's a lot to that if you're going to judge stuff. And before you can do that, it would be very good if when you're training your dog, you did the same thing. Don't just go out and go, ah, that looks like a good distance. Because again, that can be, that can be, and, and I'm going to do a, a podcast on nothing but my opinion about setting up marks. Okay. I'm going to do, well, maybe a little G update. And then I'm going to do that on a more advanced level, you know, stuff to think about and stuff to do. But so many times when training groups go out or somebody goes out and they have wingers, right? They're like, yeah, it looks like a good place and that's far enough away. I need a big angle. I'll put it over there. There's stuff you're going to be teaching your dog. Make sure it's what you want. When you do a big flat field throw, do you realize a flat field throw, but it's a big flat mowed grass field, right? Has a couple clumps in it here and there. Big fat, uh, big fat, long, just flat grass field. And you throw a mark out there, just a nice, and not a, not even angle back, just a nice flat throw. Those are one of the hardest marks in the world. And can you, why would it be? I mean, like, like there's a gunning station. There's like, eh, dropped right over there. Because there's, it's just a big flat field. There's nothing, unless you've taught them to mark off gunning stations which in a lot of our events is not useful to you, great in a field trial, unless you have a retired gun. So actually, you have to teach the dogs to mark where the bird fell, really, instead of using any of the tricks of the other stuff. So what? It, how, how far is far? Because as you're running out, if we sent you on that, if we sent you on that, there's nothing to mark off of, and we checked it out in the field, you know, you might be good at it, or you might overrun it by 50 yards, or you might come short, 15 yards you might it's very hard 
you know, when you don't have a bank or a tree or a brush line or something that they can kind of use. So something that looks real easy, like a flat field mark, is not. And my point in all this is, that goes for puppies, is you've got to think a little bit more like a dog than like you. Because we're not running you on this stuff. And, it, and on marks, they have to th use their eyes first. They have to think. They have to think the entire way. And they got to know when to kick the nose in. They also can't kick the nose in too early, right? You can't. If somebody was, you know, set down the bag of ducks on their way out, so you got duck smell all the way, you cannot, in my opinion, you should. You don't need them to hunt the duck smell all the way out. Here's where I was still. Okay, let's use the eyes over the nose right here. Let's get past where the dog, bird obviously was not thrown to the area you think it probably was. Then let's kick the nose in. That's a big deal too. A lot of times you see people, especially those of us that do a lot of upland and they have to hunt. It's like, well, on a mark, no, you can't hunt all the way out there. You need to get to the area of the fall, then hunt. This needs to be efficient. We all don't have all day to watch you cover all the grounds. So lot to this stuff, even if you just have a hunting dog. Because if you ever hunted with a dog that's trained really well to use their eyes first to think and then use their nose at the right spot and still be thinking, Man, that is a fun dog to hunt with. So I'm starting that with G right now. We're working on beginning to get, poor little dog, I'm making her think all the time, but she really likes that. You can see it in the video, she is a thinker. So I'm gonna start honing in now on which of her skills I'm gonna have her use and try to get that focus on what we're doing and make sure that I do more mindful uh, retrieves than I have been because I do have the mechanics now. You can't do this without the mechanics. If they don't come right back to you and be focusing on the next one, then you're probably just sort of not teaching them a whole lot other than this is a lot of fun. But when you get them where they're doing the mechanics right and they go out and back, now we can start adding the new elements of use your eyes, think, use your nose where at the right spot, and I'm going to start showing you all the different things that you eventually will be able to encounter. And this is a rest of the year kind of a deal, not just a few weeks. And some dogs learn this stuff quickly. And some dogs, especially young, do not. Doesn't mean they won't be great. Sometimes this is just a hard mental process. So please be aware. You know, G seems kind of good. So she makes it look pretty easy. That doesn't mean, you know, maybe it'll all fall apart here later on, but I've had a lot of little dogs that I had to be very patient and work and work and work. And I think other people might have given up on them a little bit. And I just stayed at it because I knew they were slow processors. And so I just gave them a lot of opportunities. And then it turns out that they're really good. So whatever you've got, be patient. Just be aware, like always. Patient and aware. I say that all the time, I guess of what it is you're doing when you're throwing and doing things with these dogs. Be careful about always doing the same kind of thing so you teach them a pattern or a dance step. Make sure that you challenge different areas at different times. Most of all, just be aware that you're teaching this dog and we're not going to do it through doing the same thing all the time, but by getting in their heads and teaching them how to think about this. So there we go, G update and that. I'm going to do a podcast. I really want to do one just on setting up marks. Um, and there's a people, 
Well, no, when you get on the real high ranks, there's not a whole lot of argument on setting up marks there. But a lot of times, people that are fairly new to this, they get pretty opinionated about it. So I'm just going to throw out kind of what I do with dogs and how I think about it so that they can go run a field trial, run an HRC, do the APLA. And if you go goose hunting and it goes 400 yards over there, they can go to where it is and get it or at least track it if it's moving and come up with it. So I'm going to get, get that one prepared. Meanwhile, uh, everybody stay warm. Um, G's doing really well. To get onto Facebook and look at the videos if you'd like. Contribute your own if you'd like. Good and bad. I think sometimes people are afraid to put stuff on there because you have a, a dog pro putting theirs on and, you know, what if yours doesn't look as good? Eh, do not do that. Other people would appreciate other people's dogs on there and discussion about stuff. And there's a lot of people helping and a lot of good ideas. So feel free to jump on there. Meanwhile, please stay healthy, please stay warm, and G and I will be back very soon.